Hey everybody, Wednesday, 20th October. A lot going on in the world, but going to talk about a couple things that's maybe kind of got pushed off to the side. Uh, you know, the Biden administration was going to come out with, with um, uh, what I call ethanol levels in gasoline. I, it's, it's the RBO or whatever. Um, it, it's basically the renewable fuel standard and, and how many gallons, quotas, whatever you want to call it. And, and they were going to come out with a new one. And, and remember, it was leaked out that they were going to cut back a whole lot. They were going to drop it down. And that got them meetings with senators and reps from Iowa and different places. And it looks like the Biden administration's backing off. Now, my guess is some uh, climate change environmentalists within the White House who don't like corn production and probably don't like ethanol production signed off on this. And then the political people probably got involved and the political people probably realized, wow, our numbers in Iowa are really, really bad, which you get your you get your numbers bad enough in Iowa, you know, Biden could could get primary challenged. Now I know you you want to say Bill Sachs from Iowa and everything else, but uh that ethanol thing in Iowa, you got to remember, it's not just the farmers who invested in those uh, ethanol plants. You have doctors, lawyers, school teachers, everybody else that put, you know, bought a share in their local ethanol plant. And there's a whole bunch of people that's got money in those things. And you go messing. It's kind of like don't mess with Texas. Well, don't mess with ethanol if if you want to survive an Iowa political deal. You got that going on. Um, you know the 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 you know you still got the trouble with Afghanistan and the Taliban and everything else uh but, but I can tell you that the this supply chain thing is probably the one thing that's got the most people's attention right now but and this is part supply chain this is part just us being stupid but or us but the state of California along with it gas in California is $6.39 a gallon and I'm bitching about three thirty nine here, and three thirty nine is expensive, yes, but six thirty nine a gallon in parts of California. Of course, they had that pipeline bust. That they they had you know some other things that that went you know bad, um, just you know this that and the other going on. But six dollars and thirty nine cents, and and you know they're they're talking there in California because of that pipeline, and it sounds like. That was probably an anchor drug by a ship across the pipeline. And you're going to say, well, you know, this, that, and the other. They put concrete over the top of those pipes. So this, and and it, from what I can sound like, there's been more than one anchor drug across this thing. And, and that concrete's been scraped numerous times. And that's partly because we got so many ships parked offshore because we can't get our act together. Of course, Mayor Pete, you know, he's home breastfeeding, um, tongue-in-cheek, and I know that that probably will get my comments flagged by somebody, but come on. Him and his significant other are laying in a bed like, you know, one of them just went through labor and had the baby. No, they adopted the baby. Yeah, they were probably at the hospital, and, and who knows, it could have been a surrogate mother. I mean, I don't know the details, don't care to know the details, but neither one of them had the baby. Um... And and yet we're we're taken off like we're we had the baby and we're recovering and all this other kind of stuff because I doubt either one of those two guys are breastfeeding the kid either. So 
Um, we, we, we bust up that pipeline. We got that going on. We got other supply chain issues. But there, there's a lot of stuff, quote unquote, stuff going on. And, and like I use that ethanol, uh, the, the, you know, what, what, what's the renewable fuel standards? What levels are we going to be? Where are we going to be at? You know, that's a big market mover. You got, you know, supply chain disruption in China. And, and, and let's just talk a little bit about supply chain disruption in China. China's got a zero tolerance on COVID. So that means if one person, like, gets, gets the, the COVID, they, like, quarantine the whole ship or shut the whole thing down or weld the doors on the apartment building. Uh, you know, it's just crazy how they do that. And, you know, nobody, nobody's talking to the veterinarians. You know, early on in this pandemic, the veterinarians were talking about herd immunity and well, once you get, you know, 60 to 70% of the population has COVID and gets it and, and gets over it because like 99.9% of the people surviving and most of the people that are passing away and, and, and rest is soul, but they're like Colin Powell, they're in their 80s and got cancer or other health issues or they got diabetes or they're massively overweight. They have trouble breathing anyway. Um, you know, they, they got, they got other complicating factors or they're old is the vast majority. Yeah. There's, there's been some younger people that got it, got it bad, got pneumonia, got whatever, but the vast majority get it, get over. I know I was talking to a young lady who got it, was quarantined. She said, I had one day that I had a fever. I had five days that I felt like I had a cold and the rest of the two-week quarantine, I lost my mind because I was stuck in a room by myself watching mindless TV on Netflix. So, um, you know, we, 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 we've gotten away from herd immunity. Of course, now we all got to get vaccinated. But then, of course, there's people that have been vaccinated that that hasn't helped them either. But, you know, I, I not, you know, not quite sure, not wanting to know, you know, it's, it's, and, and you know what, I could, I could get COVID tomorrow and I'm in a high risk group. I'm 62 folks, even though I bail hay and Judy takes pictures of me on the rack wagon and, and we work every day and get outside with the cattle and, you know, and, and believe me, there's going to be a couple days here in January that I'm going to be like, gosh, I wish I could just stay inside all day, but I'll go out and take care of the cows. Things will be fine. But there's just a whole lot of issues up in the air. And that, that's, of course, Biden was a long-term senator. And he's still acting like it because going out to the fancy restaurants, like the senators went out to the fancy restaurants. And oh, by the way, him and his wife aren't wearing a mask. Now, all the help that's around him is wearing the mask, aides and Secret Service people and stuff. But they weren't because they got a different set of rules because they belong to that their elusive elite club of 100 people called the United States Senate which he's not anymore, he's the president, but I think he still thinks like a senator. And you got to remember, too, you, as a senator, you don't want to solve every issue because you need to fundraise and get people wound up to vote about stuff. And if you don't have any issues out there to get them wound up and get them to give you money about, then, then you're, then you're going to be out of business. So it's, you, you may not solve everything, and it looks like he's took a nap, taken that philosophy over to the White House. Let's not solve anything. Let's just keep it all in chaos because we can fundraise and get votes off of it. And, and, and you got the, the Terry McAuliffe stuff going on in Virginia right now, which you have every Democratic operative in the nation going to there trying to save that guy, which my comment, and, and they probably will. 
But my comment is, if he was doing such a bang-up, wonderful job, you wouldn't have to drag Obama and everybody else out to go save him. But they're going to. And, and you got to remember the old Joseph, Collins, Joseph Stalin quote, it's not who votes that matters, it's who counts the votes that matters. And I'm sure the Dominion software will be involved in this thing in some way, shape, or form. But I digress. Um, there's just a lot of issues out there on agriculture. And what I, what I really wanted to talk about today is the expensive expenses. And, and not really complaining. And I want you to understand I'm not complaining. And, and I know I was talking to some the, the elevator guys. We, we, because, of the, because of the rain, uh, the beans were ready to cut. Combine could go through the field fine. But uh, where we had to haul out of on an 80 acres, the wettest spot of that whole field is right where you turn into the field. It's just the way it is because there's a drainage ditch down along one side. And where the road is... Uh, they do, you don't want to turn in by the bridge, by the drainage ditch. You really couldn't put it there. So they put it on the other other end of the 80, not the half mile end, but the quarter end. And that's where water from a neighbor kind of flows and where it's just kind of a natural drainage way. And by the way, right across the road, there's a couple big drainage ditches that turn right there and go down along the other side of the road. And I'm sure years ago before there was a road there, they probably came over on to our side just probably the way it was, but, you know, they put a road in there. It was on the, it was on the section line marker, and uh, they put a drainage ditch right down along the section line, you know, on the south side of the road, and we're on the north side, and so it's wet right there. So I was hauling with a wagon. Had a sidewall go on an older tire. Happens. It, it's one of the 22.5 big super singles off a of semi. So I went and got the new tire, and it was $822. Okay, fine. Um, and... And replaced a tire on this wagon back, oh, it's been some years ago. This wagon's got some age to it. It's an old Brent 600 bushel wagon. Works really good. We generally use it to sit at the auger, and then we just roll up with the grain cart, dump into the, the wagon, which then dumps into the auger, which dumps into the drying bin. Um, and the wagon never moves. So you don't have to worry about having great tires on it because it's just sitting at the bins. But when you're hauling into town, you got to have some pretty good tires on it. Well, the sidewall cracked on this tire. I was able to, to get unloaded, drive it back home, take the tire off, take it in and get it. It was 822 bucks, which is a little more expensive than the... So I looked up the last tire I put on that thing was about $400. Beans were 6 bucks, by the way, when I did that. So really, it didn't cost me any more bushels of beans to put the tire on this time than it did the last time I put the tire on. So it's an exact whoosh in the bushels of beans that I put on. It's just, though, that when people see the $12 for beans and the $5 for corn, oh, they're making out like bonanza. Now, if you were fortunate enough or, or been able to, to, to get everything bought at the $6 or $5 bean price and carry through, um, you are making a lot of money at $12. But if you have to replace it or repair it, you're going to give up some of that 12 bucks. So you're not, it's, it's, it's all relative. And the other thing is, too, once you start handling more money, you have more chances for screw-ups. If the price of beans is bouncing between four fifty and six bucks, um, you got a dollar fifty at risk. But if the price of beans are bouncing between nine dollars and twelve dollars, you got three dollars at risk. You got just double the amount of money at risk. 
which means you can double your profit or you can double your losses, depending on how you look at it. And, and, that, that, and that, that, my friends, is what's going to make this ride real interesting, is if you can cash in the chips at the correct time. And and is the rally in the market over? I don't know. We've had a pretty strong week here. We we've you know we've been up like four of the last five days or five of the last six. I'm I'm not sure how many, but we got a pretty good rally. And you know you always talk about you know the markets a lot of times don't like to rally until fifty percent of the harvest is done, and then they start worrying about well we may need to push this thing a little bit to get some more bushels because once these farmers get all this grain locked away, it's going to be hard to pry it out of their hands because one they're going to want the storage. And two, they're going to want a little bit of premium on that. So we're going to have to bid up that much more. So we'll just push it on the end. Plus, you know, at the beginning of harvest, you're not quite sure what the size is. And, and now that you're pretty much done, you know, or getting close to done, you're starting to figure out, yeah, everything's going to have a whole home. And like I mentioned the last time, there's no big corn piles out there. It, it looks like to me that there's a lot of, um, that there's a lot of, of corn stored on the farm. But I, I don't think there's an overabundance of corn that's made it in. And we're still not there on the beans yet, but it looks like to me, I mean, chance for us for rain again tonight and rain over the weekend. This bean harvest is going to get drug out. And, you know, if we'd have cut all these beans two weeks ago, you'd have had to find a place to store all these beans. But if it's going to take us another month to cut the rest of these beans, which may not, may not happen, but it may, it's at least it's at least cost cost us, uh, or it's at least taken at least two more weeks, but you're starting you're that's been that's that much more usage that gets up and out of the way, which means that's that much less stuff that has to be find a place to be stored, which means you're able to put more stuff under roof, which means there's not as much free stocks. I'll call them free stocks as as what maybe some people were thinking. But yeah, the, the, the expensive expenses, uh, and, and that's kind of gotten lost in this supply chain thing because right now it's just the availability, and it's kind of the availability of whatever cost. And you're, you're, you know, you're hearing stories all the time. They had a part broke on the combine. The only one they could find was in Canada, but you can't run across the border and get it in Canada right now. So they had to wait for it to get shipped, and it took them a week to get it shipped, you know, people driving a thousand miles to get parts. I, I literally know one guy that drove a thousand miles to get parts for his international combine. Um, he 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 took him a thousand miles to to get the parts. Uh, it's just what you got to do right now. Um, and you know, with John Deere on strike and everything else, I and and what I'm wondering is maybe we get this solved over the winter time. But what if we don't? Uh, it, it could be a very interesting spring planting season. Very, very, very interesting. That, that's a little bit different because there's not as many planter parts, but a lot of people have hung a lot of new high-tech stuff on these planters, and if they don't have that working, that thing sits. I mean, it, it could get interesting. And, and, and you, know, where, you know, if something happens to your tractor, where are you going to get another tractor? That's that's a you know and and it appears to me you stuff is going to be through the roof. I mean, all the experts have been talking about that. Everybody's been saying that. Uh, we bought some stuff this spring or winter spring. Glad we did it. And now we're kind of just sitting back thinking, boy, we're just going to have to figure out how to get by with what we got because this stuff's all going through the roof. 
massively through the roof. And there's going to be tax problems because like I talked earlier, if, if you're able to get through without having to replace a, a bunch of stuff or repair a bunch of stuff at, at the more expensive expenses, uh, th- then you are going to make out pretty good. And plus, if you carried over like we did, we carried over a lot of beans last year and Judy got a lot of them sold for 1430 there the last part of January. And she sold a bunch of corn for 630 last spring. Well, that money's still hanging out there on the books and it's going to have to be covered and there's going to be tax implications. But how hard, how far do you want to chase some of this stuff with these higher expenses? Because, you know, I, and, and I talked about it, you know, about the Bank of England raising interest rates. You know, I remember borrowing money for basically 7% interest, thinking it was never going to go any higher than that. And all of a sudden, I was paying 17 and three quarter percent. And, and that, like, happened in a year. Boom. Expensive expenses. Um, it's with us for a while. And you know what? The stuff we're buying now may seem cheap a year from now, the way this thing's going. I mean, we, we maybe you're just in the initial phases of it. Now, some people think, well, this stuff's going to back off. And I've heard some people saying, well, you know, fertilizer's backed off a little bit. And, and you got some farmers, too, that have not got the stuff purchased that are saying, well, I'm just going to wait to spring to see what happens to see how much beans I plant and how much corn I plant. But, you know, Judy and I are hearing, yeah, they're, 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 there's more corn herbicide available than there is bean herbicide available. Don't quite know what the dynamics are there and what's going on. And I do know Bayer had to shut that big plant down in, like, Louisiana because of the hurricane. But I thought maybe that plant made uh, uh, Roundup, but it could, it could have made Liberty. I'm not sure which one. Um, and, and this, you know, that, you know, the one thing about the 2,4-D beans, you can use Liberty on them. You can use Roundup on them. You can use 2,4-D on them. You can use conventional bean herbicides on them. It does open it up up your your window of opportunity there to, to use more stuff, and we may have to get creative next year and do that. But you know, you may not want to wait too long to decide what you're going to do. I know we've taken what we want to be our next year acres down to the to the our, our fertilizer chemical supplier already, and hey, you can start figuring this thing out now. And, and I, that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're concentrating right now on trying to get the rest of the beans out. But today is not cooperating real well. It's kind of overcast. It's damp. It's wet. It's both going to kind of rain maybe late tonight. But we'll get some more out. And we just keep, we're on the downhill slide. We're just going to keep sliding down the hill. Well, hey, with that. Expensive expenses, it, it's changing the dynamics a little bit of how we maybe think and do, and maybe some of the nimbleness may be taken away from us. We may have to kind of figure out this is what we're going to do, and we're going to have to stick to it because that's the only thing we can get to make it happen the way we want to happen if we plan far enough out ahead of time. I mean, even on our cattle feed, uh, the way things kind of show up now, you know, our feed mill, we're, we're trying to work with them to order feed at least a week ahead of time, if not longer. Supply chains, folks. Supply chain, supply chain, supply chain. And I'll leave you the last thing with this. Labor knows they got everybody over barrel right now. And that's one reason I think the John Deere workers are striking. They know they got them. There's not a whole lot of people showing up for work. There's not a whole lot of people working. The people that are working got an advantage here. 
And I think they can use that advantage to their benefit. And so I look for um, more people in the labor market taking advantage of that advantage, which may mean more supply issues. Hey, welcome to the new normal. Thanks for listening.